Hey everyone, welcome back. My name is Sam. And I'm Melissa. I grew up in the FLDS community. It is a polygamous group run by a man named Warren Jeffs out of his prison cell, actually. Yes, and I am Melissa, and I was raised LDS, and Sam and I have been married for eight and a half, almost nine years. Almost nine now. Getting close. <laughs> We're excited to be back with you today, and we are... It's a, it's a sad topic, but uh, very, I think, important to cover the story about Waco, a new Netflix series that just came out. It's a three-part. Today we will be covering the first part of that series. Yeah, we had seen it on Netflix and we had watched a documentary about Waco um, clear before we started our YouTube channel. And obviously there's a lot of similarities in the way that people like David Koresh or people like Warren Jeffs are able to like bring people in, right? And so when we saw this one, um, this documentary is definitely a lot more about, I mean, it's called the uh, American Apocalypse, right? Like, it's more about the battle between law enforcement and Waco than more about their beliefs, but it is sprinkled in there, and there are so many similarities that we were like, we have to cover this and talk about it. Yes, and for you, for you, for those of you that are wondering, yes, there was a documentary years ago about Waco that came out, I believe also on Netflix, if I'm not mistaken. So. And so this is the new one that just came out, to, to our knowledge, just recently, very recently, actually. Yeah, I know it made like the top 10 list. That's how we saw it. It came out at the top 10 TV shows list. And um, I think it was like number four yesterday. Yeah. So, but so anyway, the, the one that came out before seemed to cover a little bit more about their beliefs and the kind of the religion back the side of the religion but also we've you know this is the first we've only seen the first episode so maybe they get more into the beliefs in the future episodes yeah that's we'll true so um getting into this first episode just kind of like reacting to it um a couple things that they did say or the people who live there because they're interviewing people who were there at the time um there were either children at the time or even one lady who was an adult at the time and she was talking about the fact that they were just there living and doing God's will and that that was the main focus and that's something that you heard a lot right whenever people oh, yes. were like oh they're living differently right they knew they were living differently one of the guys said he moved across the country because or maybe the well, maybe it was a woman but you know we felt like we needed to do something different and we heard David Crush's message and decided to move across the country to live and do God's will yeah no that was very similar and familiar to the way I was raised. Um, there were moments where I was in the FLDS community and FBI showed up to try to take down the leader, right? And the same idea. We were told, because of the way we were taught, the feelings we had towards the law enforcement were all negative. Uh, kind of like this lady was saying. She says, why would they come and try to take away what we're doing? All we're doing is following God. And those were very similar feelings to what I had. Just, we're here doing God's work. Why are they trying to destroy this? Yeah, and why are they even messing with us to begin with, right? Mm -hmm. So, in the case of the FLDS, it had to do with child brides and um, certain, like, tax, ev like, mm -hmm. tax evasion. A few and other things. A few other things, but mostly for underage um, brides and marriages. And then in this case, it all started with firearms. So there were still other things that made, um, like brought to the attention of law enforcement. But yeah, we'll get into a little bit more of the self-prophecy of how things happen like that. Mm. 
one major distinction is Crush was talking about the fact that he was Jesus Christ. Hmm. That he he was the second coming, which made it interesting to try to talk about an apocalypse, which normally in a lot of small Christian groups, you know, the apocalypse the apocalypse or the prepping is for preparing for the second coming of Jesus Christ, right? The FLDS predicted that multiple times, and it's always prepping for that. Or you hear of um, fundamental prepper groups like the Daybells, mm -hmm. right, for the LDS, where they go off and they become extreme preppers, and it's always for the Prep apocalypse, which yeah. is the second coming. Exactly. Preparing for the second coming. Yeah. So for Koresh to say he was Christ, but yet they were preparing for an apocalypse... And for the government to try to come after them, had you heard anything? That seemed different to me. It was definitely different because even in the FLDS, though very extreme and though we looked at Warren as almost a god figure, uh, we we were always told that, you know, he's just a prophet. There is uh, God and Jesus Christ that he is talking with, right? So it's it was always him under them, even though it didn't seem that way sometimes. Well, he was their mouthpiece, right? Exactly. So everything that came out of his mouth was directly from God and Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. But he never claimed to be he Christ. He never claimed to be Christ. So this was definitely unique. But it seemed that uh, he said something along the lines of, he was Christ, this was the second coming, but there was still going to be an end that they had to prepare for. They needed to follow him, and then they were to be translated this is where it got creepy because it it sounded just like if you haven't seen i will put a link above to our um some of the shocking revelations from last august that warren just made from his prison cell talking about everyone needing to die to be translated right and we actually reported that to the da in utah like this is sounds like mass suicide right and koresh that's what you're talking about right yeah, that, yeah exactly that he said Everyone had, in the apocalypse, everyone had to die in flames, I think he They'd said. They would be translated in, in a flame, basically, yeah. They were all going to have to die in flames in order to be translated, which is what the FLDS are talking about right now in their current revelations. Yeah, and the FLDS aren't saying anything about flames or any specific type of way that this is to be done, but they are talking about the necessity of death before or in order to be translated which I know we had mentioned this in our other episode for it but if anybody hasn't seen that one what's interesting is all the times that they talk about translation in the Bible translation normally means being lifted up into the heavens without death mm. right the city of Enoch was lifted up and they didn't have to die and that was always what translation had meant so the FLDS last August was the first time I had ever heard of a group say that they had to die to be translated. So when we were watching this, David Koresh said that they were all going to have to die to be translated. I was like, what the heck? This is now like two times in the last, I mean, I know this was forever ago with David Koresh, but um, very, very interesting and eerily similar that yeah, that's this was now happening. 1993, right? Yes. David Koresh, so now we're 30 down. years later and uh, the FLDS are saying Saying thing. similar things. So... It's concerning, very concerning, and we'll, we'll, we'll get to, and like I said, there's three parts. We'll get to the end here where it kind of describes what happens. And, of course, David was prophesying of these exact things to happen the way they ended up happening. So yeah. it's very, I don't know, creepy, I guess is the word. Yeah, some of the other things that really rung out as being very similar to the FLDS is they talked about that they were the chosen few. 
<laughs> isn't, that, isn't that always the case? <laughs> Everyone likes to feel that they are important, that they have a purpose, that, that this life is, that they're doing something very valuable and important in this life, right? That just seems to be pretty common. So when you're told, lucky you, you happen to be one of the very few chosen ones that are actually doing what God needs to be done on this earth, it's going to make you feel special. That's, I felt special as a young boy growing up. Me That's too. what I was told. I was told that we were the chosen generation to usher in the second coming of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. And that was in the mainstream LDS. I don't hear that as often anymore in the mainstream LDS. I believe it's still talked about. That being the chosen generation. Especially uh, among the youth. Yeah. I still hear things like that. Yeah. Well, but I was the chosen generation. They can't keep passing it on to generations. <laughs> But, um, yeah, the, the chosen few definitely is something that you hear in a lot of different religions. Right. Um, the fact that they were talking about, David Koresh specifically talked about that the government was going to come after them, right? Mm -hmm. And that was something that Sam was taught. Oh, yeah. As a kid. What were you taught about what the government was going to do to you? So, basically, it was always taught that uh, eventually we would be attacked by the government because... Uh, we were doing God's work, and they were working for Satan. They were the evil people, right? And they were trying to attack uh, the work of God. So eventually, we, we knew, and this had happened even long before I was born, there were raids uh, in the community, the FLDS community. There were raids and things where they would come in try to, trying to uh, save the children, I guess, and take the children and, and, and the women away from the husbands and try to, trying to put an end to it. So this, this type of thing had happened even before I was born. And so the FLDS kind of knew what was possible, what the government was willing to do. And so, of course, they would testify that, hey, these things are going to happen. Well, of course, they're going to happen eventually if you're doing something illegal. Right? So that's not really much of a prophecy. And I would say the same for David Koresh. I mean, he's over there rigging semi-automatic weapons, weapons and automatic. Things, doing very illegal things, saying, hey, just so you know, guys, God has spoken to me. Eventually, the government is going to come after us to try to destroy his work. That seems like a cop-out to me. And, and it was similar within the FLDS. I mean, there were illegal things going on. So eventually, yes, the government will catch up to you. Well, and I mean, I don't know how much in... David Koresh's group. Um, I know they were sometimes called the Davidians, right? Or Davidians. Um, don't remember. For David's first name. Mm -hmm. But I don't know how much they knew. It seems like it was a small enough group that they would have known that they were changing all these guns and stuff. One thing with the FLDS is some of, I mean, the leaders are able to do self-fulfilling prophecy, but they know they're doing illegal stuff where a lot of the people in the FLDS community did not know that they were doing illegal stuff, right? Mm -hmm. So they think they're law-abiding citizens, and so when someone like Warren Jeff says, hey, you guys, you know, the government's going to come after us, the government's going to come after us, well, Warren Jeff knew they were doing illegal things, I knew that was a possibility, but for the people who just had faith and were believing and thought that they were all law-abiding, it's going to strike that extra fear, and then it will seem like a prophecy. Exactly. So it's hard to know what his followers did. What was her name? I'm sorry. The one that was an adult living in the community that is on this first episode. Oh, my goodness. I don't remember her name. But just like she said, you know, why? Like, she was so, she almost seemed, well, she was kind of confused, but also very upset that the government was coming after them. Because, like you said, maybe in her eyes, she didn't think she was doing anything wrong. Yeah. You know, she thought she was just following this 
so-called Jesus Christ that had come to earth, you know, and so she thought she was doing everything exactly how she was supposed to. Yeah, um, obviously, you know, that's just some of like this, the uh, really quick similarities um, and a few differences, but obviously very sad, like the way that everything started, um, it reminded me a little bit of just when the law enforcement doesn't coordinate well with these small groups, right? Um, in this case, they even knew that they had been made because the mailman was somebody from the group, right? When they were like, hey, there's a raid that's about to happen. They tell the mailman and he goes back and he's part of the group. So he's able to tell them and is able to kind of give them the heads up. And it was funny to hear the two sides of the story where even to this day, the people that were there think that the other person shot first, right? And I feel like it was similar in the, not with shooting, but in Texas, too, they talk about it became such a big mess so fast because they didn't understand the people that were in the groups. And there's always two sides of the story, right? Um, there's plenty of people that think that the government was in the wrong in Waco and in uh, Texas. Sorry, they're both Texas. Where, 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 where was the FLDS? <laughs> El Dorado. El Dorado. Waco and El Dorado. Uh, we, we, there are people that think that the government was in the wrong. There are people that think that the community was in the wrong, right? I mean, there's there's always two sides of the story. But in this first episode, anyway, I don't remember hearing specifically the Waco people saying that the government fired first, rather that they were protecting themselves because the government was on their own property. So I don't, did they specifically no, say? There was one guy who said that, um, he heard the shot. He heard the shot first. Yeah. Okay. So he, and he thought, he thought that, that they the shot government. first. Yeah. And I guess even if it was a shot from one of the people in Waco, one of the followers, maybe the other followers assumed it was from the government. So maybe they are really assuming that it was the other party that shot first. Yeah. It doesn't sound like there's actually, there's no way to know. Right. Mm -hmm. But like I said, the one similarity that I kind of saw was just the fact that they went in not knowing a whole lot about these people. They right. didn't, they knew that there might be, they knew that there was going to be weapons. And the one guy even said, he's like, we never should have gone because they were trying to catch him by surprise. Right. right. And they weren't able to do that. Um, but even aside from that, they didn't know very much about these people when they went there. And so it did give the, um, the people there, it gave David Koresh, you know, he's like, listen, you guys came onto my, onto my property. You're doing all this stuff. You say you have a warrant, but like, if you don't know anything about a small group of people, you don't know if they're going to even like believe your warrant or the best way to present that warrant or anything like that. And then you're going to end up in these messy situations yeah. where you're going in and you have no idea what a group of people are capable of or what their values are or what they're willing to do, what they're not willing to do, how far they're willing to go. Um, so it was just interesting to see that same type of mistake happen. Yeah, yeah. So and that's, and that's, before. that's why we, we even heard with the El Dorado FLDS raid that a lot of times people would say we were trying to prevent another Waco. We were trying to prevent that from happening. And so they did things differently. And, and now... And now, <laughs> with things going on within the FLDS, law enforcement will say, we're trying to prevent El Dorado again. We don't want that to happen because <laughs> that was a big mess. It's, it's so hard. You, there's no way of predicting exactly how it's going to go. Uh, sometimes I feel like law enforcement goes into a place and just assumes that people are going to cooperate and, and go along with what they're asked to do. But 
you, you never know exactly what you're walking into. Another thing that was similar between Waco and El Dorado was um, the one mom said, you know, they had been told that law enforcement was the devil. And so as they were, the law enforcement was happy to be getting the kids out mm -hmm. and released, right? Every time they would do a message, um, David Crush was wanting messages out on the news. Every time he did a message, they were allowed to have two kids. They were allowed to have two kids. So he was like getting the kids out safely. Um, but the kids and the mom said, she was like, it was like handing my children to the devil. Like it did not feel good. I wasn't excited about my kids going out um, because we were giving them up to the devil. And that reminded me a ton of El Dorado because as the children are being taken because there's worry of abuse and you would think, okay, they're supposed to be being like protected and safe now. And they feel like they're being taken by the devil. Yeah, she said, I don't feel like my children were being saved. Uh, you know, she, mm -hmm. she thought that the taking the children away from her was was the worst possible thing that could happen. And that was exactly what happened in El Dorado Same as well. Same thing that happened in El Dorado, yeah. And so. when these kids are taught their entire life that the government is the devil, then they're not going to feel saved either. Sam and I were recently, we're going to be doing an episode. There's such a long list, guys. I'm so sorry. So we like things. love all yeah. the comments and stuff. And we have this long list. But right now, there really is... I don't have a better word for it, like human trafficking going on in the FLDS, where kids are being taken in the night and um, preparing the young girls for marriage and taking the boys and using them for labor. And there's a lot of these type of things going on right now. But the hardest thing is normally if somebody is trafficked or in a bad situation and you go in to save a child in that kind of situation, they're going to be grateful and be wanting to get out of it. And this, the hardest thing about these small groups is they don't realize that they need to be saved because they don't understand that what's happening to them isn't normal, right? right. Well, that's the, that's the way they're raised their entire lives in some cases. And so they just assume that this is the best way to live. Yeah. So, I mean, in this case where these kids, they're being sent out and their entire life they've been told that these people are evil. They need to be there. They need to defend. You know, they're... They were prepared for the apocalypse. We prepared to fight, and that's what they were prepared for. They're not going to get any gratitude from these kids for being quote unquote saved. Mm -hmm. And it was the same in El Dorado as well. They're like, we're not being abused. We don't have any problems, and they don't understand the the circumstance or the situation or the grooming that was happening. And so again, they're not grateful for being saved because they don't know any better or know that they are in a unique circumstance or a possibly dangerous circumstance. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's, oh my goodness. To be taught something at, at birth basically is, it's, it's a very powerful thing. And I, mean, I remember moments as a young boy thinking, like role playing in my head, if law enforcement or someone came up to me and said, deny what you believe, if you admit that what you believe is fault, then you will be saved. We will, we'll, we'll, you'll be fine. And in my mind, I, because we were taught they were bad, I assumed that, you know, if, if I was put in a position like that, then they may be willing to take my life. And so I would role play in my head how I would never deny what I was told and be willing to give my life for it. Like, that's just how powerful it was ingrained in my head that I'd be willing to give my own life just like the people of Waco, in order to stand up for what I thought was the truth. Yeah, yeah. So. Um, 
the end of this episode kind of ends with the fact that, you know, David Crush was giving out the children two by two. And then he said that they were going to all come out, that he was going to like give up all the adults and that they were going to come out. And then right before they are ready for the people to come out and to surrender, he receives a sign from God that they are supposed to wait. So we thought, well, we didn't think because there's two more episodes, but they made it, they made the viewer believe that basically the story was going to be over. It would have been only a couple days at this point. I think they said it was, what, day three, day four, uh -huh. that it could have all ended. Because they had, everyone was lined up in the hall. David and all of his followers lined up in the hall ready to walk out. Like, they were ready to go and turn themselves in. It was it was over. And then he received a sign from God. And I don't remember, I, I want to say in the older series on Waco that was done years ago, I believe there was something about that sign. And if I'm not mistaken, it was one of the women. Now, don't quote me on this. We'd have to go back and watch that. But I believe it was one of the women stood up and said something and that, that made him change his mind and to, and to continue fighting for, for what he was doing there instead of, instead of turning himself in. So, yeah, it's interesting, though. He receives he, a sign. Anyway, he's received some kind of sign. It doesn't say in this episode that made him decide, no, we're going we're gonna to continue to fight. Yep, and at this point, I mean, I think all the children were were all the children out. No, no, not all the children. No, just there. There were a few that had, or several that had been released, but it was like you said, it was a couple of days, and they were only doing two children a day. Um, no, they were doing like one day. He said they got eight kids. Okay, and so then there the were next more. day there were six. Okay, so there was multiple kids, but yeah, they didn't have all the kids out, and it's just a shame that like one one sign from God could change the outcome in the lives of like all of these people. Yeah. It was so sad to, to watch. I mean, it's a, it's a tearjerker and it's, it's, it's difficult. It's difficult to watch uh, because you see, it's not just a battle of words. They are gunfire. It is full on war, full on war. And you, you see people, innocent people just falling by the wayside. You know, I mean, it'd be one thing if it was, you know, oops, they they got David accidentally and now he's gone. But no, they were from law enforcement side and from the innocent people within the within the community, the, the Waco community there, or the church, that were were getting shot and killed in, in just in the crossfires. So yeah, it's it's a lot. That was sad. Um we are going to cover the next two episodes next week, so stay tuned for that. Um we really wanted to be able to talk about each episode individually. Um, but yes, we just want to say thank you all so much for all of your support. Thank you so much to all of our subscribers. Um, if you'd like to hear more about what it was like for Sam to grow up in polygamy, then please like and subscribe. And thank you so much to all of our members and our donors. You guys are amazing and we appreciate you all so yes, much. Yes, thank you all so, so much. And thank you once again for being here with us today. We look forward to talking to you soon. We'll talk to you all soon.